Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. And then we want to go way back. We want to go back to the time of Jesus and something that happened then. And then what we want to do is we're going to take the future and the past, those truths, and bring them together to where we are today in a way that changes everything. So let's start with the future. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, and if you don't, hopefully before the day's over, you'll, you'll realize that and make that decision. But if you know Christ as Savior, you know, whether your life ends today or whether we live until a point when the Lord takes us all to be to heaven, what we are going to discover is that what Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7 says, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So if, if, if this happens today, if the Lord returns for us today, that means tonight and tomorrow and next week and next year and for a million years, God will still be showing the exceeding riches of his grace toward us. This, this word exceeding comes from the word we get our word hyperbole. Through like It's almost an exaggeration, but it's not. All right? The exceeding riches of his grace toward us. Is that good news? That's good news, isn't it? Well, let's go back now. Roughly 2,000 years ago. It is a, a, it's been a night, we're getting, night's almost done, you know, it's, it's dark, maybe the, the, the sky's starting to get light in the east, and, and there are some religious leaders out and about in the streets of Jerusalem, and they are um, on a mission that is not a, a nice mission, not a good mission. And they come to a house, and I don't know if they've been signaled or what, but they burst into that house, and they, ha- they find a couple there. And where this is an adulterous relationship, okay, and, and they grab the woman, and we don't know what happens to the man. We don't know if he, he jumped and ran or if they just let him go. But they, they take this woman, and, and you know, the, 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 whatever, they throw some clothes on her, and they, they drag her out in the streets, and it's light. And about this time, Jesus has come into the temple area, and the people have gathered around to hear him teach early in the morning. And they drag this woman in, probably with great, you know, a big hullabaloo kind of thing. And they bring her in and they set her, stand her right there in the middle of the whole crowd in front of Jesus. And the religious leader says to him, Jesus, we caught this woman committing adultery in the very act. The law of Moses says, that she should be stoned, she should be put to death. What do you say? And they were doing this because they're trying to catch him in something. They know Jesus and his mercy and his love, but they know the law, so they're trying to catch Jesus in something. But what it says is that Jesus doesn't answer them. Instead, he he kneels down, gets down, and, and it's like he's doodling on the ground. 
He's just not responding. He says they kept, kept asking him, kept asking him, kept asking him. And finally it says at some point he stood up and he looked at the religious leaders and he said, all right, whichever one of you has no sin of your own, you throw the first stone. And down he went to not paying attention to them again. And what the Bible tells us is that after a time, one-on-one, these religious leaders from the oldest to the youngest slowly turn and walk away. Conscience, this isn't working the way they intended, I don't know, but they left. And then it says Jesus stood up and he looks at the woman and he looks and he sees none of these people who had brought her And and this is where we want to pick up in our text. It says, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord, no one. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so we have out here in the future, in the ages to come, we see that the Lord showing forth, it says, the exceeding riches of his grace toward us. And we see here in this story of of this woman caught in adultery and Jesus not condemning her. These, These two thoughts are together. They go together. Now, Let's look a little bit more about what the Apostle Paul wrote. The Apostle Paul wrote this about the future, but just a few verses before this, he wrote some words that applied at the time in which he wrote it and apply all the way through our lives into whenever we go to to be with the Lord in heaven. And it says this, he says, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So, that's not good news. Pretty straightforward statement though, isn't it? This is the way, before you came to Christ, this is the way you were, just like everybody. All right, so let's think about this. We have this woman caught in adultery, standing before Jesus, the Holy One, the Holy God, the one who ultimately one day will be the judge. And is she guilty? Is she guilty? It's not a trick question. She is. Yeah, there aren't very many of you here. When I ask the questions, you've got to answer them. You answer at home too if you would. Is she guilty? She is absolutely guilty. She has no defense to offer. There's nothing she can say that changes the fact that she is guilty and worthy of being condemned. Well, Paul here tells us that it's us too. You know, apart from what Jesus done for us, if we were to stand before the, the holy judge one day, we would be guilty as well, wouldn't we? Worthy of being condemned. And so that is the situation that this woman found herself in. That's the situation that we find ourselves in. That's the situation that the whole world finds itself in. Situations you find yourself in today if the Lord Jesus Christ 
had not done what he did, and you had not received him as Savior. So we have verses two and three of Ephesians here. He says, you were guilty. You lived in sin. This is the way you were. And then Ephesians 2, 4 starts like this. But God. What good words those are. But God. You know, from time to time, I, I remind you to put the truth on the right side of the butt, right? The truth that needs to control your life. Well, man, you talk about doing that here. Here you are. You are condemned. Like this woman, you are worthy of being condemned. Like uh, what Paul says, we've all lived in sin. We've all done our own thing. Worthy of condemnation. But God. And it goes on and tells us what he did. And we get to what we talked about, that the exceeding riches of his grace. This is good news for us, isn't it? Very, very good news for us. Well, let's go back and talk about this situation for this woman. Uh, and let's go back to, to John. And this is where Jesus says to us, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she says, there's no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her. Now, the words that he speaks next, I, next, I think, must have shaken heaven. Okay? It scandalized the angels and also filled them with wonder and awe to see how God was, what God was doing with fallen humanity. You know, uh, these words... I think, you know, Jesus intended for these words to, to go deep down into this woman's heart, into her soul, into her mind, and, and forever to change her perception of God and who he is and what he's like. Forever to change her perception of herself and what she's like. Forever to change her perception of how she looks at life and how she's going to live every day for the rest of our lives. So those words, what are those words? It says, and Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Wow. I mean, I can't even fathom being in this woman's position. And then hearing, neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. Words spoken by Jesus without hesitation. Words spoken by Jesus without explanation. Words spoken by Jesus without giving any qualifications or rationalizations, right? Just grace. The exceeding riches of his grace toward us. And I want you to, to think about this. <clears throat> that even though Jesus said these words to her, I think it's safe to say he said those words to me. You know, I can apply those words to me. You can apply these words to you. If you know Christ as Savior, if you've received Christ as Savior, you also can hear these words. Neither do I condemn you. Now, let me say to you that we are way too quick 
we are way too quick to, to say this. I'll show you, okay? Yeah, so Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Oh, yes, but that's not all he said, was it? He said, go and sin no more. So, okay, well, I'm all right with him saying I don't condemn you because he said, go and sin no more. Right? As if somehow, rather, we need to give the Lord permission to say that. But I want to say to you that my sense is, I understand the word here and the rest of the word, is that this neither do I condemn you is a stand-alone statement. And we don't need to try to make ourselves somehow or other feel better about it because Jesus said, go and sin no more. We're going to talk about that. But it's a standalone statement. And lest we think then, well, okay, but you know, well, Jesus said it to the woman. <laughs> he said it, this is specific, he said it to the woman. And so we build a fence around this and then we, we put a lock on the gate, okay? But the Apostle Paul says, nah. That's in the Greek somewhere. Nuh-uh. Romans chapter 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation. How much condemnation? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. And so those, that last phrase is the idea is that who are those who are in Christ? It's those who have been born again. It's those who used to be just in the flesh and living life, as we, we, he said in Ephesians 2 there, right? That, you know, by the, the natural desires of our sinfulness. And uh, he says, no, no, you've been saved. Now it's no longer about the flesh. Now the Spirit of God is at work in you and, and changing you. And to you, who have received Christ as Savior, there is what? Therefore, now, no condemnation. Zero condemnation. Now let's think about what that means. Uh, the Greek word from the, was written in the New Testament, was written in Greek, and the word that's translated is a word, and I don't know if I ever say it right, but it's katakrima. And what it means, it's, it's the, the, the sentence that is pronounced upon a guilty person. So it's like there's been a trial. The evidence has been presented. And it is obvious there is no reasonable doubt. This person is absolutely guilty. And so the, the jury says guilty. And the judge says, here's the sentence. That's what this word means. And what it says here is, that doesn't exist for those of us who know Jesus as Savior. Now, we could, well, at least no, let's go there. Let me. So the idea is this, that here we are, we, if we didn't know Jesus as Savior, we were doing our own thing, we would be guilty, wouldn't we? We would have this sentence pronounced upon us when our life comes to an end and we stand before the holy judge and we never availed ourselves of receiving Christ's gift to us. Then yeah, we would be guilty. We would hear this sentence. But it's like this. Here we are now, guilty before God, but all of a sudden, you're free to go. What do you mean free to go? It's like the charges have been dropped. There isn't a trial. There is no verdict. There is... Well, how can that be? Well, because Jesus took your condemnation. 
He took your condemnation. He took that sentence of guilt for you and paid the penalty for you in full. Paid in full. And so for you, there's what? No condemnation. No guilty sentence. No well, yeah, but wait a minute, you know. Let's go back to this. Go and sin no more means that, that we, we, we realize that, you know, we, we sin. And so we need to somehow rather hold that over us. Let's hold that over ourselves. Yeah, I know Jesus saved me, but you know, oh boy, I'm just, I'm, I'm not really not condemned. I'm really condemned, but he's not making me pay. It's not what the Bible says. And this is so important that we get this. I, because I've received Christ and I have this relationship with him, I am not condemned. Well, maybe just a little. Oh, I am not condemned. You are not condemned. What would it mean to you if you actually got up every day and, and had this conscious awareness of how free you are. That there is how much condemnation? No condemnation. You say, well, it's you're beating a dead horse. No, it's not dead. It's alive and well in our lives and we got to get rid of it. There is no condemnation. So, so let's talk about this then, what Jesus said. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. And then he did say, go and sin no more. So what is the point? What was he saying there? Well, what I want you to understand is this, that, that I really do believe this, neither do I condemn you, is a standalone statement. We see Paul reinforcing that in Romans chapter eight and elsewhere in the scripture. Um, it's a standalone statement, neither do I condemn you. So what is this go and sin no more part about? Well, I don't think you can handle the go and sin no more part until you come to grips with the there is no condemnation part. That's huge. This is so important. It's because it's that realization that I am not condemned, that you are not condemned because of what Christ has done for us. There's no condemnation. There's no, no verdict of guilt. There's no sentence pronounced upon us. It isn't there. We are free. It is that that then enables us to start to do something about this go and sin no more. It's almost like Jesus says, okay, neither do I condemn you. Condemn you. Now you can go and sin no more. Your life can be different because I don't condemn you. You aren't stuck with this anymore. You see, Jesus, the Bible talks about this way, that, that God has dealt with sin and is dealing with sin in this way. There's a sense in which God in Jesus Christ has already freed us from the penalty of sin, right? I'm not going to ever pay the penalty for sin. Uh, not going to because Jesus already did. Paid it in full. Then he, he goes to work on, and he's actually already done it. He's already freed us from the power of sin. Now, do we always feel like we're free from the power of sin? No. 
But this is because we're, we're needing to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're needing to, to yield to the Lord and let His life take over in ours. And, and so, yes, it's a growing experience, but the reality is that we are free from the, from the power of sin. And then someday, we will be free from the presence of sin. Either when we go to be for the Lord or when He takes us to be with Him, we'll be free from the presence. So Christ's death for us frees us from the penalty of sin. It has freed us from the power of sin. One day it will freeze us from the, the presence of sin. But if you don't get that you are free from the penalty of sin in every way, that you are not condemned, you are not in a place to even start working on being free from the power of sin. So it is crucial that you get this. Now think about this. Um, if, if Jesus says, if God says, listen, yeah, I know that you've sinned. I know that my son Jesus, he went and paid the penalty in full for that sin. I, that's done deal. That's taken care of. It's completely taken care of. And by the way, how many of your sins did Jesus die for? All of them. Because let's think about this. If we put this timeline up here, right? Here we are living here today. And so here's my lifespan. And I come here to about this point, And I receive Jesus as Savior. And what we tend to think is, okay, God forgave all of those sins I already committed. No, but I'm still going to commit some. <laughs> Maybe a lot. <laughs> how, how many of these sins were in the future when Jesus died for me? All of them. So how many of my sins did he die for? All of them. That's right. And so, I am free. And by the way, you know, if you're thinking, oh, that means you can go do whatever you want. Well, if that's what you think, then you didn't get what I got when I got saved. Because he changes our hearts and makes us want to do better. Let's see if we can understand a little bit about the reality of this, what God has done for us. Um, the, the Bible uses this like three main words in the Greek language that are often translated forgiveness in our New Testament. Two of them are, are different forms of, a, of a, a same root word, and then there's a third one. So let's talk about the first two. The first one is this. It means, it's a word that means freedom or pardon. Now that fits very well with this idea of you aren't condemned, right? There's no guilty, there's no guilty verdict, there's no sentence uh, pronounced upon you. You're free. You've been pardoned in a sense. It's no more a part of, of what you have to deal with, okay? The second word I think is, is maybe more instructive for us in the depths of what's gone on. And th this word literally means to send away. To send away. And what the Lord is telling us when it comes to our sins, what has He done? When we receive Jesus Christ, you know, He has died for them. But it, for, with respect to us, the Lord just sends them away. In the book of Psalms, it says, as far as the east is from the west, He has sent our sins away. And if you start in the east and head west, when do you get there? Never. You can always keep... That's how far He has sent our sins away from us. Elsewhere in one of the minor prophets, He talks about having buried our sins in the depths of the deepest sea, gone forever, sent away, free. Wow. I 
am not condemned. I bear no more guilt. Now, does that make it right when I sin? No. The author of Hebrews talks about the sin which so easily besets us. We're in a process of growth. We're learning that we really are free from the power of sin and we can grow in it. But man, before God, I'm not guilty anymore. I am free. There is no condemnation. So those two words. The third Greek word for forgiveness is built on the word for grace. And so the idea is this, that when it says God has forgiven us and it uses that word, it means God has graced us. And what, is, what do we mean by grace? Well, here's, here's the way what grace means. And it's kind of thought about it this week and, and had a little bit of a, a new perspective for me on it. Grace is when God interacts with me on the basis of who he is and what he's like. Not on the basis of who I am and what I'm like. In other words, there's no earning this from God. Because God is good and God is loving Holy too, but because he's good and loving, he does good to me. And so when it comes to my sin, not only in the ages to come, but now, he is showing me the exceeding riches of his grace. Remember that in the ages to come, he might show, go ahead and th- do that, Anthony, if you would. In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That, so we've come full circle again. So what do you need to do? Where are you at today, those of you who are watching? Maybe today you need to receive Christ as Savior. Maybe you're just really starting to grasp that, that you like all the rest of us, as we read earlier in the early part of Ephesians there, that we've all sinned, sinned against the holy God. Our sins have separated us from God. And if we die in that condition, we will be separated from him forever in a place called hell. But as we read today, God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world and to die on the cross, bearing the penalty for our sins, taking our condemnation upon him, rising again from the dead. And the Bible tells us if we will Humbly acknowledge that, wow, I have sinned against a holy God. If I stay like this, I will be condemned forever. And I say, Lord, I believe you are who the Bible says you are. Right now I receive you as my Savior. I accept your payment for the penalty for my sins. And the Bible says when we honestly come before God with that attitude, those thoughts, that prayer, that God then takes what Jesus did for us on that cross and applies it to us. And at that moment, there is no condemnation. No more. Done, gone. And then when this life ends, we go to heaven to be with the Lord. And then God himself moves inside and begins working on us from the inside out. So it may be today that you need to receive Jesus as Savior. And just, you just do that by just you going to God and saying what he's talking about, that's what I believe, that's what I want. And make that decision. God will do his part. It may be today, though, what you need to do is to really begin to believe that there is no condemnation for you. 
I mean, you think about your life. Can't you find yourself going back in your life and bringing up things, you know, from time to time? Or you don't even bring them up. They just come up. Boom, there it is. Wait a minute. Yeah, that happened. But there is no condemnation. I am not condemned. And this, this woman caught in adultery, disposed of her consequences in her life, difficulties she had to deal with, undoubtedly. But when that you know, starts to creep in, this sense of, oh, you know, and I'm feeling condemned, just wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus stood right here and told me, I do not condemn you. I'm going with that. And so the same for us here today. Here we are and we look in the word. I do not condemn you. I'm going to go with what God says. And maybe that's where you need to get today. Get free. Really free. You've already received Christ, but you haven't really got this idea of not being condemned. And it just may be that you need to then, wherever you are, be, begin working harder, begin believing God. Because the same thing about believing you're free here, you need to begin to believe that, wait a minute, I really am free from the power of sin too. And if God says I am, who am I to say I'm not? <laughs> God says I am. Maybe that's what you need to deal with. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. How can we say thank you enough that we are not condemned? You've told us there's no condemnation for us. Your son took the condemnation for us. Lord, help us to understand that. And then, Lord, I pray that the freedom we can experience in that, that the, that freedom, Lord, will... will uh, roll over into being free from the power of sin, that we'll start to really believe it and make different decisions because of it. And to thank you, Lord, our, our successes, our failures, that when all is said and done, that in the ages to come, you will be still showing the exceeding riches of grace in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. Go live in the truth of the freedom that you have in Christ. God bless you.